Hey, this is Bradley Weber. I'm the pastor of Release City Church, and this is our podcast. I'm super excited that you tuned in, and I really hope today's message encourages you, gives you a sense of hope, and inspires you to pursue all that God has created you to be. Now, let's jump right in to today's message. Come on, turn to your neighbor, tell him, say, my God is stronger. Okay, come on, class. My God is stronger. There you go, there you go. See, you just woke yourself up right there. You just took it to a whole nother level. Amen. So I got a quick question for you this morning. How many excited you came to church today? So let me ask you this. How many, anybody, anybody show up, uh, drove a, a, a big uh, John Deere tractor today? Anybody drive a tractor to church today? Just curious, asking for a friend. Ask for a friend, probably cheaper on gas, I don't know, um, but you won't get there as fast. You'll have to take your time. Obviously, y'all remember, those of y'all that, like, what in the world does that got to do with church, Jesus, and get me to heaven? Absolutely nothing other than the fact that you can drive a John Deere to church. Amen. If you're still confused, you should have not missed church last week. Pastor B drove a big old John Deere tractor up in the church house. The Bible says just, you know, just get here how you can, come as you are, so we did. And the church said Amen. Amen. Welcome to church. So glad you made the decision to be in God's house today. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that's the best decision you will have made all week long. Amen. Amen. And amen. It's our prayer that you would experience the presence and the power of God in this place and that you would leave changed. It's not about... It's not about music. It's not about the volume of the music. I know sometimes it can be a little loud. It's not because God's hard of hearing. It's because the devil's hard of hearing. And he needs to know there's some people in a little town called Chief in Florida that are not ashamed to lift up the name of Jesus. We have some things that we, are, um, that we have a right to celebrate. We have things that it's, we, we can celebrate about. Amen? Amen. amen. And amen. So thank you so much for being here today. It's, today's going to be a very unique uh, and different um, service. Um, somebody says, how can it be any different than, a, than riding in on a tractor? Just wait and see. It's not today. It's not today, but just wait and see. It's, it's hard. I told the girls when I got home, I was like, how in the world do you top a tractor? And so, and God said, just get ready. I said, okay, I'm ready. Just let me know. If you brought your Bibles this morning, let's go to the book of Ephesians. It's going to be really, really, um, Brief this morning, um, the way uh, the word is going to come out um, today. I'm going to tag team a little bit. Um, no, Amy Weber's not speaking today, but you can mark your calendars for. Um, <laughs> why are you looking crazy? We done talked about it. Uh, for Mother's Day, uh, Amy Weber will be bringing the word on Mother's Day 2022. So don't miss that. She may come riding in. On a Shetland pony. I don't know. It could be a little moped. If you brought your Bibles, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Let me just move this thing right along. I feel like I'm getting stalled out at the starting block. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10, says this. A final word. Everybody say final word. This is what he said. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Everybody say his power, not mine. There you go. So if you're struggling in the week and you can't figure out what's going on, that's because you're trying to do it in your strength and you need to tap into his. Selah. Okay, put on all of God's armor so that you will, <clears throat> excuse me, put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Hello, somebody but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. So the people that you can put your eyes on, that you are, you've labeled your enemy, that's not the enemy. They're being used by an enemy, and they're, it's an unseen enemy. That's what the Bible says. You can bring this mic down just a little bit, because I feel like I'm fishing to get excited, and I don't want to blow hair like, whoosh. Okay? It says... But you are, but you are against, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world. I don't have to tell you that we're living in a dark day, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So what do we do, Pastor B? So glad you asked. Verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the devil in the time of evil. Uh, probably the reason that the devil's been on our back so much is because we haven't figured out how to resist the devil. Come on. Because the Bible says if you resist the enemy, he must flee. It doesn't, think, doesn't say he's got to think about it. He might. It says he will flee. 
Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy. Without the armor of God, you can't resist the enemy. Then after the battle, you will still be able, excuse me, still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness for, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news. Maybe, maybe we need to get back into the book that would bring the peace. Come on, somebody. A lot of chaos in the world. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news that you will be able, excuse me, be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I want to direct your thoughts for the next few moments around this subject. The prison called worry. The prison called worry. Worry. Now, before you say, well, this, this message isn't for me. Hot news flash. Worry affects everyone in the room that's breathing today. Now, that person just started holding their breath. I got you, okay? It's, it's you too. <laughs> so, so, so many of you know that I shared last week that Amy and I, in April, we will be celebrating 20 years of marriage, and um, because of school and all that, and her, her being an administrator, we had to uh, actually celebrate this past week, which was spring break. And we, I took her, put her on a jet plane. We flew out to to Cali, to California. We went to um, uh, San Francisco, and because one of the things that I've always wanted to do, probably since a very a little kid, really that that movie, The Rock, with um, uh, Sean Connery, uh, it just just really intrigued me. So we we went ahead and bought our tickets, and we went to Alcatraz. Uh, and it was phenomenal. Matter of fact, we, we, um, we took some pictures. Well, that's actually one, but there's some other pictures back there. So this was us coming in on the, well, it, this is not us. This is a picture of Alcatraz. And you can flip, come on through those, Mr. Connor. Um, this was, uh, that was one of the cell blocks uh, there. Very incredible. She's like, I'm safe on this side of the bars. <laughs> and so... I wasn't too happy about it, I, I guess, I don't know. I, I guess I missed the lunch break. These rooms, these, these cells were literally, um, I want to say it was five by eight was all they had. Um, you can go to the next one. This was a little larger cell. Um, you can go, there you go, there she is. You are so beautiful to me. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that was in my head. Okay, so just stop right here. This was actually the courtyard um, where, where they, and just stay right there, Connor. This is, this is actually where um, they, they played um, uh, some baseball and stuff. And it's actually an area about the size of a football field. And, and this area here in front of her is, is the wall. You can't see over the wall unless when, you, when, when the prisoners would come down where those guys are up there on the, on the bleacher area. That's when you could actually see over, over the wall. And Alcatraz was a maximum security prison on Alcatraz Island off the coast of California, and from the courtyard, from that courtyard, you could see across the bay. You could see, the prisoners could see life was going on. Like you could hear the the horns. I mean, it really wasn't. I, I kept bragging. I was like, it's really not that far. Those guys really could have made it. But as we got in the boat and started heading that way, I was like, nah, probably not, because this is this is a longer journey. But they could. You could see from up there on top where those guys were sitting. You could look out and see that life was carrying on around them. And we're talking about. Um, but they were restricted. They couldn't get there, but they could see what they were missing. That'll preach right there. You can look, if you're in prison called worry, you can bring that title back up. If you're in a prison called worry, you can see the things in life is moving all around you, but you can't get to it because you're in prison. See, we're, we're talking about the prison called worry. Worry is a lot like Alcatraz. Alcatraz was used to incarcerate problem prisoners from other federal penitentiaries. So basically, anybody who had broke out, caused a lot of problems, they sent them to the rock. Worry is used to incarcerate you and I with problems. Alcatraz was used to incarcerate people who were problems. Worry is used to incarcerate you with problems. Oh, y'all some problem-free people. Problem-free Christians. Y'all got that on lock. The difference between Alcatraz and worry is worry doesn't just affect a select group of people. Worry affects every one of us. When we talk about worry and, and when we talk about anxiety, it's, it's a really big issue. 
It's really serious. I know, I know some of y'all are like, well, this, this, this isn't really something that I, I really just believe and I feel called to do is to present the gospel in a way that, that you can relate to in your life right now. Somebody, but I want to know about how to get saved. We'll, we'll talk about that. But I, sometimes we need to learn, how do I just get through this day? All hell is coming against me. All these issues. Ain't, listen, listen. I don't know that there's been anything in my generation more um, uh, to, to cause us to worry than COVID did. It's amazing to say that that was, just, that was two years ago. I, I said the word just two, but it seems like it was just yesterday. Matter of fact, there's still a lot of people still living in that fear. I respect the things that are happening, but I'm telling you, it's appointed unto man once to die. My date has already been set. That cannot change. There is nothing that the enemy can sneak up on God and go, yeah, but I'm going to take him sooner because that would mean, my friend, that God is not in control. And I'm here today to tell you, regardless of what's going on around us, my God is still in control. So I'm not going to live out my... If it's supposed to be COVID, then it will be COVID. If it's something else, it's going to be something else. I don't know what that is. But until then, I'm going to live out and I'm going to function and I'm going to chase after the mission of God for my life. And I would encourage you to do the same. Do not live in fear. You will be locked in, locked down, and only watching what you should be a part of. Come on, church. But you can't get there because you're in prison of fear. Yes. I read not too long ago that worry and anxiety are the number one health concern for women. Wow. And it's the second health care concern for men. It's a really big deal. Some of you today here, some of you here today are worriers. Some of y'all are worried right now that the message is on worry. Some of y'all are worried that your spouse knows that he's that God is talking about you. <laughs> I'll stop nudging that person next to you. So I want, to, I want to ask you, I want to, I want to start with three questions. And then we're going, we're going to change it up just a little bit. I want, to, I want to start by asking three questions. Who worries? I've already answered that. The answer to the question is we all worry. But worry looks different and affects us different. And there are different levels of worry. But worry affects us all. What, what's Pastor B trying to do? Keep you out of prison? So that you can be all that God has called you to be? The purpose of worry is to lock you down, to keep you from, from fulfilling the call of God on your life and your purpose. So your worry may look different than someone else's worry. But I promise you, we all battle with thoughts of worry, fear, and doubt at some level. Number two, so who worries? We all do. Where does worry come from? Now this is a more difficult question because we associate worry to problems. And if the problem will go away, then my worry will be washed away. That's not true. Most of the time, that is not the case. Even Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow. He's already telling you there's going to be stuff tomorrow. But we're in today. But he says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring, it, bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So those of us that go, if my problems would stop, then my worry level would decrease. That's not, that's not true. Because you're going to get a whole new set when those ones go away. Because again, the worry is a prison to trap you and I from becoming all that God has called us to be. So what's the enemy going to try to do? Trip you up, get you to stumble, get you to focus on all of these things that are going on around us in our society. Church, I'm breathing just like you. We got all kinds of reasons to worry. But if the man in charge, if God, our Heavenly Father, is not worried, why should we? If he gets worried, then we need to talk about something. It's like that plane we were on. If the pilot gets concerned, I'm concerned. But as long as he's good and we fly in the friendly skies, I'm, I'm good watching a movie, whatever. I can't say the same for all of those, us in the Weber house. But let me just keep moving right along. Because worry affects us differently. I want to share about that in just a few minutes. So hold on tight. Life always hands us something to worry about. So where does worry come from? Most experts agree that two things happen to cause you and I to worry. This is it. We have a, when we have a heightened sense of vulnerability 
Basically, when you're vulnerable to something that you can't control, that's when worry creeps in. Think about it. And the other part is when, when we have a heightened sense of vulnerability, we also have a diminished and we have a diminished sense of power. I feel like I'm no longer in control. Worry increases as your perceived control decreases. Maybe you want to write that down. But when you understand that your life is not yours and it's not, yes, I'm to manage, but God is the author, ultimately, the author and the finisher of my faith. God is in control. you got to settle that right off the bat. You've heard me say that before. He's either God or he's not. He's either in control or he's not. Now, now, now today, is not, today is not for me to, to zero in on the worriers, specifically those at a higher level, and say, don't worry. That's not the message, so understand me. But how do you manage when worry comes? How are you managing it? It's our mismanagement that sends us behind the bars. It's also our mismanagement that it will send us to a bar. Oh, too close? <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Is that, what his, is that what the name is? Buddy's Bar? Is that what it's called? It's not even there, see? Bubba's bar. What'd I say, buddy? You find a buddy at Bubba's. I ain't got nothing to do with the message, but anyway. Okay, so number three. Th- third question. How should we respond to worry? A lot of people say, well, how do, how, do I, how do I stop? That's the wrong question. The right question to ask is, how do, how do I respond when worry happens? Write this down. The presence of worry is unavoidable. The presence of worry is unavoidable, but the prison of worry is always avoidable. You cannot avoid worries, but you can avoid the prison of worry based on how you manage what's being thrown at you on the news, CNN, Fox. Did I cover everybody? All of it. I can, I, some of that stuff will hit my news feed. And, and I can feel it inside. It's how I manage. When I click that, them, them three dots at the top by the X, I'm talking about Facebook, all my Facebook viewers. When I click those three dots and click, bam, unfollow, that's how I manage it. When I have people that hit my news feed that I don't, I don't necessarily, the, the things they're sharing, I don't necessarily agree with, or my spirit pretty much is what doesn't agree. And to keep my, 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 my blood pressure in check, I clicked in three dots. I didn't say unfriend. I unfollow. They don't know it, but I, I know it, and so does my spirit. And my day becomes a lot less worrisome. Just trying to help you out this morning. Remember I said that it affects everybody? Get ready. Jay. Remember when I said that it affects people differently? We joke about it a lot, but Amy is, she, she gets terrified of airplanes. And we joke about it a lot. I've made a lot of fun. But on this trip, the Holy Spirit convicted me. Because he's like, it may, not, it may not be, you worry about stuff, but hers is a different level. Listen now. She does, she does good. It was a six-hour flight back, and it's supposed to be about a four-and-a-half, five-hour flight coming back, coming back because of the jet stream. But you guys in Florida know that on the day that we were supposed to land, which was... Thursday, y'all had all kinds of rain going on. And they told us before we took off that it should be moved out. Well, it didn't move out. We got to Orlando, and we literally, we were in a holding pattern for 45 minutes in the air, along with seven other planes. Now, she's done good for four and a half hours. But now that the captain has said, Attention, we are in a holding pattern. She went into freakout mode. I'm like, we're doing the same thing we were just doing. But it's just in circles now. Things got real crazy. I mean, she's looking, she's looking, you know, she's, I was like, baby, do you just want to drop through the clouds and, and electrocution and, you know, all that? Or do you want to stay up here where the sun is? It was sunny up here, but it was down low. It was, y'all had it a mess. And, 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 and she's like looking around. I'm like, do you want me to see if you can go sit in the cockpit with him? Would that make you feel better? And see, it was that statement right there. The Holy Spirit said, you need to stop. And things got real serious. When we were, it felt like we were just, we just stopped, but we're just moving. And all of a sudden, this plane come flying right under, like, I, 
underneath us. He was so close, I could smell the cologne of the captain. I'm telling you, it was not that bad, but it was, dude, he come flying out of the clouds, busted through, and everybody on our side of the plane, because it was on our side, they're like, oh my gosh, that was way too close. I'm like, bro, holding pattern or not, it's time to drop this, this bird through the sky. Fear, it, it's real, and it affects her. It caused her to, she couldn't enjoy the flight. She got to take, she got to take medication to, to go night-night for a little bit. How does it, how does worry affect you? Not too long ago, some months ago, you're going to remember that I shared a story on a Sunday morning that I had received a phone call early that Sunday morning from a member of our community and, and who's also close with our family from a guy that said, and, I could, and had I not, not had his number in my phone, I wouldn't have recognized his voice. That's how choked up this person, this individual was. Grown man, bigger than Pastor B, just grown, grizz, just grown man. And I, he said, can you come to my house? And I could tell. So I let myself in. I walked through their home, and I see this grown man all, literally almost on the fetal position on his living room floor sobbing a wreck. What was it? Anxiety and fear. I'm telling you, there, there was a holy anger. Sometimes I have to be careful because, because the, the holy anger that I, that I see when somebody's under a spiritual attack, that I get aggressive, and it's not that I'm not um, uh, sympathetic to what you're going through, but it's I refuse to watch the enemy continue to browbeat men and women of God who have a call on their life, and you should be the same way. Because there are men and women in this community, saved or not saved, that there is a purpose for them. It's time for us to fight for them. Somebody, what's the purpose of Release City? To fight for people's purpose. To help get them, introduce them to Christ, and help them get put back on the, the path that God has set out for them. So today in this house, that gentleman is in here. And I've asked him to share that story and his story of overcoming fear and worry. I'm so glad you're here today. Would you please put your hands together for my friend, my brother in Christ, graduated with this brother, Mr. Jason Whistler. Come on, Release City, y'all can do better than that. This right here in itself is a testimony of overcoming anxiety. <laughs> if you can get up here in front of people and speak, then you're doing pretty good. Uh, Bradley told me that he was going to tell that little story about me being the grown man laid up in the fetal position sobbing and crying and that was me uh, worry is like a prison we didn't go over any of this ahead of time uh, but just to show you how God's working I had written this right here a year ago in the middle of some of my worries some of my anxieties uh, and he was talking about that prison and you're in worry and you can see what's going on life's going on around you and I wrote that I've spent so much time worrying and keeping to myself that it was sucking the joy and happiness right out of my life. Instead of recognizing my blessings and mercies that God had given me new and fresh every morning, I would only recognize things that were going wrong or things that might go wrong. I would be in the living room with my healthy and happy family and instead of living in and enjoying the moment, I would sit there engrossed in worries. Whereas the things that hadn't happened may never happen. The health scare I went through last year may have been the wake-up call that I had needed. And I am thankful for his grace and mercy and forgiveness, as well as the forgiveness of my family. Because not only does worry and anxiety play a toll on that person, but it plays a toll on their family. <clears throat> I couldn't interact with my kids the way... I should interact with them. I could not interact with my wife the way I should interact with them. And it played a toll on all of us. And when the devil attacks one, he's attacking all of you. Uh, so this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, this is my second time that I have um, given this testimony. The first time 
was a couple months ago at a men's breakfast at the Cowboy Church in Williston. Now, there are some very good people over there. Uh, I don't know if any of you know them or have been there, but the Keiths are good friends, and they pastor a cowboy church, and it is literally a cowboy church. It is outside in an open arena uh, with a rodeo arena behind it. They have church under a pole barn, and all these burly guys, cowboy boots, duster coats, cowboy hats, some of, me, some of me may have even had a six-shooter on their side hip, I don't know, but they were cowboys. And here I am talking to them about being scared. And, <laughs> and come to find out, some of those guys, they get a little worried too every now and then. So it wasn't just me. Um, I guess men is per- are perceived as being the brave ones, uh, the ones that should have it held together. And that's not always the case. Uh, So let me start from the beginning. Uh, And my wife has been after me all week to have something prepared, have something written down, study, rehearse. I can't do that. I don't do that. I'm going to fly by the seat of my pants. And when I'm done, I'm done. And I may stutter at times. I may uh, lose my train of thought. But this will come from the heart. And that's all I can guarantee It probably won't be the best speech you've ever heard, but it will come from the heart. And so anyway, back in 2012, all this started, I lost my father to a heart attack. He was the pastor of Full Gospel Outreach Church uh, for 25 years, 25 years. Healthy, 64 years old. I get a phone call from the sheriff's department uh, that my mom had told them to reach out to me and that my father was passing or was having a heart attack. So the EMTs were there. So I rush over there, my family does, and I literally see him laying on the floor and uh, EMTs going through the CPR and all that. Never saw it coming, uh, and he passed away that day. Caught me off guard, went through all the emotions uh, for several months. Um, You know, just just cried my eyes out. Uh, Actually, and this is one of the things I'm just going to read. I had written this last, uh, well, shortly after this had happened, and I will just read it, um, if I can find it here, um, and kind of give you an idea where some of this anxiety started from. Um, Here we go. I had written this. Uh, Growing up in church, I had always heard of how hard life could be, how hard it was to be a Christian in an evil world. And while constantly being under attack by the devil, I was taught that you had better stay on your knees in prayer, study, study your Bible daily, and I was told to put on the whole armor of God. As I got older and reached my 20s and 30s, I remembered thinking from time to time that this life was not so hard. What are these people talking about? I've been blessed financially, had a supportive family, started our own family with my wife. We were all blessed with good health, had good jobs. A lot of friends lived in a great little community, and uh, life was good. I didn't see, you know, I didn't see what, what the saints were testifying of when they were telling you as you growing up, you know, stay in the Word, stay on your knees. So we get to taking that for granted, and uh, that's when things changed. Uh, after my dad had passed, he had passed away, like I said, from an unexpected heart attack uh, that we never saw coming. <clears throat> uh, after he passed, I grieved, and I grieved hard. I cried until my eyes couldn't produce any more tears. And then after I was able to regenerate more tears, I'd start crying again. I'd missed him so much, and the thought of never seeing him again was horrible to me. But I knew in my heart where he was. Uh, when he took his last breath, he went directly to heaven. And I knew that. Uh, that was never a doubt, a question in my mind. Uh, but I also knew that if I ever wanted to see my dad again, that I was going to have to make it to heaven because otherwise that would have been the last time I had ever seen him. Um, So time passed and life kept going on. There was good days and bad days and days that I'd missed him terribly. Uh, Most days, though, I'd stay busy with life's daily routines. Things would be different, though, in the quiet and darkness of the night. I'd lay in the bed. I'd start questioning my salvation, questioning my faith. Anxiety would set in. I'd worry anxiously that that if something happened to me, that I wouldn't make it to heaven and would be a forever apart from my dad, 
from the loved ones that I knew that had made to heaven. I'd get up in the middle of the night and I'd pace the floor praying for God to forgive me of a lifetime of sins and neglection. And the more I would pray, though, the more I would feel alone. I just couldn't get a breakthrough. And it was a battle, and I couldn't understand where God was. I needed him, but I couldn't find him. <clears throat> Satan would fight me with thoughts of fear and doubt. He would tell me that I was alone, that God had forsaken me, abandoned me, and that he would not hear my prayers. He would tell me, too, that I would die for have a heart attack or something. I wouldn't make it see my dad again. I would leave my family behind. <clears throat> and so that's where all this worry started from. Um, I didn't want to be separated from my loved ones, and I didn't know what else to do but just to keep praying and keep seeking God. That's what I had been taught growing up. That's all I knew, needed, knew to do. I, I couldn't find the answer. I couldn't find the peace, but all I knew, what, knew to do was to keep praying and seeking started reading my Bible daily, and time went by, months of fear and anxiety, but I had a breakthrough. I finally felt God's love and peace. I felt that I had completely been forgiven of my sins. I had <clears throat> knew, without a shadow of doubt, that I had accepted Christ into my heart, and that if something were to happen to me, I knew that I would make heaven my eternal home. So, from that point, I started making up my mind that life would be different. So I going to start praying, praising God more, not just seeking God when I needed something. I was going to start reading my Bible daily. I was going to be a better husband and father. And I knew that I hadn't been setting a good example to my boys of what a godly man or parent should be. I had to change that. I started praying with them at bedtime, trying to stay humble in their presence. I started reading, reading my Bible daily to where they could see me reading it instead of uh, seeing my face in a phone or on the TV. I'd listen to praise and worship in my truck, uh, and especially when they were with me, and I started to try to be the example for them like my dad had been for me. <clears throat> Through these lifestyle changes, I learned something else. I learned that the more godly I tried to make my life, the more of a positive influence I tried to be, the harder Satan would start fighting me. He hit me hard again with more anxiety and fear, and even though I knew that I had my heart right with God, and I knew that I would spend eternity in heaven, I was still afraid of dying. I just, I, I couldn't get past that fear. I was afraid of not being here for my family. The unknown scared me. Again, I'd lay awake at night trying to fight off fear. My secret to getting through it, I would find a verse in my Bible. I would claim it. I've got pages and pages of verses that deal, uh, deal directly with anxiety and fear. I'd start writing them down. The answers were there. I just had to find them. <clears throat> Um, I'd recited over and over in my head, trying to drown out, drown out the loud thoughts of fear. Uh, one of those verses was Second Timothy, or yes, yeah, Second Timothy one through seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And there was times I would question God. Well, my mind is not very sound right now. In fact, it's it's a mess. Uh, but I found out that it would help to comfort me. I would drive out those anxious thoughts. The anxiety was real. And, but it was literally stealing the joy right out of my life. Um, like everything else, there would be good days and bad days. But I would try to make sure that I was praising God, not just in the bad days, but in the good days as well. Um, it's a hard thing to deal with, anxiety. You tell yourself that everything's fine. Uh, like... Amy could relate. I'm sure she could tell herself that everything's fine on that airplane, but that doesn't work. Uh, just telling yourself and convincing yourself is just not always, it's easier said than done. <clears throat> but just telling yourself that and making the anxiety go away is something easier said than done. Um, I believe that Satan uses that against Christians, as us, against us, as one of his main weapons to fight us. Um, he literally tries to steal our joy from us and tries to make us question and doubt our faith. He doesn't want a powerful, prayed-up Christian being a positive, godly influence on our family and community. He wants us to be scared, timid, and afraid. And in my case, he wanted me laying on that floor uh, in a fetal position crying. You know, That isn't a witness of what God's done for us. That is... Uh, to me, that was more of being a witness to the power of Satan, uh, being cowered down like that. 
<clears throat> so anyway, I've been fighting this, fun, uh, fighting this fight, and I'm going to switch gears here again. And like I said, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just talking here. Uh, I've been you know, I'd fought the fight for months, and, and that it was hard to believe that there was a reason I was fighting it. I believe that God had allowed this so I would learn to lean and rely and depend on him. And it, it had worked. I realize now that this life is hard, that there is an enemy out there stalking and seeking those who can and devour and destroy. But it had increased my faith that there is a loving and merciful God who loves us more than we can ever fathom, who loves us for a personal relationship and communion with us. And I'm learning that God won't always jump right in and save us from our fears and pain, but he will be right beside us. He'll hold our hand in taking the vicious blows from this life. He's going to comfort us and give us peace and mercy. He's going to prove himself again and again to those who prove themselves faithful to him. This was written, I had written all that, uh, I think in 2013. Last year, 2021, uh, I started undergoing some health issues. This happened, this started in January. COVID was just starting to get going. And I had started having these horrible, horrible, just awful headaches. Just, just, I cannot even describe how horrible they were. It was the worst pain I'd ever been in in my life. And they'd come on daily. I'd go to bed at night, and I'd wake up the next day. Within an hour of being up, my head felt like it was literally just going to explode. It was, I can't even describe it. Well, started going to the doctor. Started going through all the tests, not finding any answers. Nine weeks later, still having headaches. I'm getting to the point where I get up in the morning. I don't want to get out of the bed. I don't want to go to. I don't want to go to work. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to get up, and the pain's going to start all over again. But I'd fight through it. I would. I'd get up, and sure enough, within an hour of getting up, that pain would just come on, and it would basically, for the most part, be there all day. I'd drive to work. I work in Bronson. I'd drop the kids off at school at the point, you know, almost to the point of tears. Uh, I'd pull into First Baptist on 27, running a few minutes ahead of schedule, and I'd pull in the parking lot and I'd just start praying and crying to God. God, what is wrong with me? I, I can't live like this. This pain, this has been nine weeks now, every day. This pain is just horrendous. Couldn't find the answers. Doctors couldn't find the answers. Then God intervened. God got a hold of somebody. Well, a friend got a hold of somebody through a sister, through an acquaintance, blah, 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 that knew somebody. Uh, and without all this happening and lining up, I may still be going through all that today. But So anyway, I get, it, get admitted into Shands, and I had what they call a spinal fluid leak. Somehow along the way, I had punctured a hole in my spinal cavity, my dura, which holds all the spinal fluid, which supports and cushions your brain all the way down, and it was leaking out. So spinal fluid re uh, replenishes itself. Uh, as I'd get up in the morning, I'd have a full cavity full of spinal fluid. It would start leaking out. My brain would actually start compressing, sinking down, suction, nerves getting pulled, and um, just horrendous pain. So the only way they can uh, fix that is to do what they call, well, let me back up for a minute. I get admitted into the hospital. Uh, at this point, still hadn't found out what's wrong with me. They start running their tests. So I get over there that night, and before anything else happens, they tell me I gotta go through a COVID test. And this was in March of 21, uh, January of 21. I did have COVID, never got tested, but I had been sick and had been tested later uh, and had shown to have the antibodies, so I assume that's what it was. Well, three months later in March, when I'm getting ad admitted into the hospital, I turn up positive again for COVID. And so they automatically stick me on the zombie ward. They shut me up in a room, closed the door, and that's the last I saw of society for six days. Uh, the nurses would come in every once in a while. They would uh, have on all their hazmat gear. Um, 
they, I couldn't have visitors. Uh, my wife, BJ, couldn't come over. I couldn't have anyone in the room. I couldn't leave the room. They left me in there with a the shut door. Uh, no supplies, no water, no towels. I sat there for a day and a half before I got my blood pressure medication, before I got a towel. I sat there for two days before I could get a shower. And finally, my wife had had enough. So she placed a phone, made a phone call, and that took care of that. Somebody got an earful. <laughs> and and uh, she brought me over a care package, uh, left it there on the floor with the nurse's station, and re refused to leave until she saw it delivered to my door. So begrudgingly, the ladies suited up in all their gear, walked down there with my little care packages, some snacks and things to get me through this torture. And uh, BJ, I see BJ walk by behind her, and that little glimpse was the only glimpse of anyone I saw or anyone that I knew uh, for six days. And when you talk about isolation, you talk about being alone, six days was bad. I wasn't even in there for what I felt to be a life-threatening condition. I was in there to find out why I was having headaches, but isolation and being alone for six days was not good for my mind <laughs> with the anxiety and the worry I already had been fighting. So anyway, after six days, I miraculously test again, and this time it's telling me that it's indeterminate and that they can't tell if I have COVID or not, so they're gonna go ahead and transfer me over to the neurolo neurological ward uh, where I should have been in the first place. So they, um, they, they, uh, they find the leak, um, and they did what they call a blood patch, patched it up, and now they tell me, you know, be careful, don't twist, don't move, don't strain. Six weeks, you basically gotta walk on eggshells. And so I did. Um, but of course, I get home finally, nine days later, and I'm walking on eggshells uh, for the start of six weeks. So I'm being as careful as I can, don't wanna start going through that again. Don't want to go through that pain. Well, that's when anxiety crept back into my life again. Um, it had started, you know, worrying about, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? You know, you're bound to do something. There's no way you cannot twist or move or bend or pick something up for six weeks, and that's at a minimum. So I started worrying about the headaches coming back, me tearing the patch, uh, the patch blowing, and something happening again. Uh, so, anyway, as time's going on, I'm, I'm, you know, things seem to be getting a little bit better, but in my mind, I'm thinking, I just can't accept this healing because I don't know. I, I'm, they say everything's fine, but I still feel this, these things in my head. I don't feel the pain, but I feel tingling. I feel sensations. So I had pretty much convinced myself that um, I had not been healed, and... I would pray and, and, and I would think, how can I pray to be healed and have the healing and then not accept the healing? Uh, that just, I, I can't understand that, why God is even dealing with me, why he's even putting up with this nonsense. Um, so this, this goes on for, for weeks and months. Um, my wife's trying to convince me daily, you're fine, nothing's gonna happen. It's been two months now, you're still not leaking, you're, you're not having the headaches. And I just cannot get over it. I can't accept the healing. Um, at one point, I called Bradley. And I said, Bradley, I said, I'm, I'm dealing with this anxiety again. I said, now I get so nervous. I get so worked up. I said, one of the symptoms now out of the blue is my knees, uh, my knees are hurting. I said, I, I just feel this heaviness swayed on my knees. And Bradley said, man, if I've ever heard God talking to somebody, it's, he's talking to you right now. You're not meant to carry that weight of worry. That's why your knees are hurting. If you get on your knees uh, and give it to God, your knees won't be hurting like they are. And this was literally out of the blue. I'd never experienced this. I mean, I literally had aches and pains in my knees dealing with some of this anxiety. And uh, so Bradley said, hey, man, God's talking to you. You got to listen. Get on your knees. Don't try to carry the weight. Don't try to carry the burden. I had another friend who who was an acquaintance. She wasn't even a, a close friend, but she knew dad had died. And she knew that I had dealt with some anxiety, um, but she wrote me out of the blue. I was having a bad day that day, and uh, she wrote, wrote me out of the blue and, and told me uh, 
You know, your worry comes from your dad dying and you being afraid of the same thing happening to you, you being afraid of leaving your family. Uh, and she didn't know all this. She didn't know, I'm telling you, she didn't know how bad I had it. That, that Actually, I don't know that she even knew that that was my main concern, was worrying and leave, uh, dying and leaving the family. Um, but she writes me out of the blue. God speaking to me left and right, and I just wasn't listening. And I'm going to paraphrase all this. I'm going to wrap it up. Um, it was a fight. Um, the enemy does not want a strong, confident, joyful Christian. He, he wants a Christian to be weak, coward, uh, not to be out there sharing your faith, sharing, shining your light. And if you're scared, you're not going to. If you're constantly in a state of worry, you're not, God's not going to give any, get any glory out of you. Um, so um, it's, it's tricks I used. Like I said, I would, I would sing to myself. I would pray at night. I would keep God on my mind as often as I could. And sure enough, that would help. I mean, that would help keep the worry away. You go to singing in your mind at night when you're laying in the bed singing praise and worship. And your mind will move off of the worry. It will. It, it honestly will move off of the worry. And uh, it, it just, it, I'm not completely over it. I'm still, I'm starting to see, I think, why God put me through so much last year. Um, and there was times I thought I was alone and in that valley by myself. And, uh, but I was never alone. I can look back now and see that I was never alone. And I think I went through a lot of that is because I took things for granted. Um, God, you know, I had fought the lightweight fight of, um, of a, um, you know, growing up of, of bad influences or, or uh, peer pressure and all that. That was nothing uh, compared to fighting the heavyweight uh, giant of fear and worry. Um, that is a battle, and it's you have literally got to keep your armor on daily to fight that fight because it can consume you. Um, it, it can literally take your breath away, change you, ruin your family life, ruin your... There was days, you know, and that's another thing, it went from that point from fear and worry, then uh, his tag team partner uh, <coughs> depression kicked in a little bit. I'm going to live like this forever. There's not going to be a day I'm not worrying. And so I'd get depressed about that. And, and it, was just, it was just a pitiful wreck. But I am here today to say that um, I'm a whole lot better. God has brought me through a lot. Um, I, I am grateful and I'm starting, I think I'm starting to see my purpose in life. Uh, as some of you know, I am now running actually for public office, which I never would have thought I had done would be able to do. Um, and it's just I can see, looking back now, some of the journey I've taken to get to this point probably wouldn't have got to where I am today had I not gone through some of those valleys. I'd probably still be taking things for granted, uh, just living a happy-go-lucky life, um, not in the word like I should be basically a lukewarm Christian. And we all know what the Bible says about a lukewarm Christian. And uh, so I'm glad I was, you know, as much as I hated the valley, I'm glad I went through the valley. It was a fearful, scary time. But looking back and realizing along the way that there is, your Savior is right there with you, holding you up. Even when you question Him, when you doubt Him, you may get mad at him. He's there for you, and he will help you get through it. So, anyway, I appreciate y'all's time, <laughs> and uh, thank you for having me. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. So proud of you, Jay. So proud of you. You know, worry is the only thief that will put you in prison. The thief belongs in prison. But worry is the only thief that can evade, is that the right word? And send you to prison.
in closing. Jay, thanks for your vulnerability. The best is yet to come. I actually sent a text yesterday asking permission to share that because he may not want the people in the community to know that he was completely vulnerable and lost control. I mean, when you find yourself in a fetal position, clearly you've, you're saying, I am not in control. And I'm not really sure who is. So in closing, I want to give you three practical ways. Three practical ways to prevent from us from being locked up in the prison called worry. Number one, look back and remember. Take the, write these down. Look back and remember. Now that, that's odd for us in the church because we've been told for so long, don't look back, move forward. But we need to be disciplined enough to look back and look at all the times that God brought me through. And I took a step forward. And I took another step forward. And I took another step forward. Sometimes they're little steps. But before too long, you turn around and go, wow, look where God has brought me from. It's important for us to look back and see and recognize the faithfulness of God on our lives. The nation of Israel did this. Some of you Bible scholars will know this. That when God performed a miracle or God did something or they, they got a breakthrough, they would oftentimes what they called stones of remembrance and they would put stones at the place where got the breakthrough so almost like it was intentional that every time they passed through it is a remembrance that that's where God came through so when I say we need to look back and remember we need to have stones of remembrance of the areas and the times and I could go around this room we, we could be here for months talking about all the times that God came through and made a way where there seemed to be no way and we can't even explain how it happened so stones. So how do we do that? Everybody got an iPhone? I mean, you got a phone? I'm sorry. Don't mean to offend the Android people. You got a smartphone? Find your notes. Find your app that has notes and, and start and put at the top stones of remembrance. I, I challenge you to do this before your week even starts. Go home, have lunch, enjoy time with your family, and then go and start going back, remembering all the times that God has come through. I, I, let me challenge you to do it. Put in your phone all the times that God has come through. And then anytime you need to, maybe at the end of every day, you can add to it, but start at the top and start reading through all the times that God came through. You, your, your flesh, you need to remind the devil, shut up. Stop with all that chatter about God's not... This is all the times he has come through. How we forget our problems get so magnified we forget about the big problems, COVID and all this other stuff that God spared us and got us through. Start a stone of remembrance. Write this verse down. I'm not going to take the time to read it. Psalm 77, 10 through 13. It's where David was remembering all the, this. I feel like God has God left me and, and, and he's not here. And then he, and then he remembers all the things that God did. And it's his remembrance of that empowered him to continue to move forward. So Jay, all that, you remember how God brought you through. So the next time, oh, there'll be a next time. You can go, man, th- stop. Almost like he becomes an aggravation to us the enemy just stop just stop it's always the same and and we somehow we get so confused and we fall for it time and time and time just stop with this nonsense you are a loser you you he's already won you can't have me have that open dialect in your car somebody said the light might think you're crazy that's okay so look back and remember number two pray about everything ah, i didn't mean to take this pray about everything and then you can go read Philippians 4, 6 through 7. In every circumstance, every situation, pray about everything. Have an open dialect with God all the time. Whatever's on your mind, tell him. He wants to know. Small, big, little, it doesn't matter. You tell God what's on your mind. Pray about everything. Every thought you have is an opportunity to connect with your heavenly father. Every thought. 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because he cares for you. 
I forgot about that, Jay. Man, his knees were hurting. That was it. That was, that's what was happening in the physical, but it was more than a physical because our fight is not get against flesh and blood. It's principalities, evil spirit, wickedness, high places, all that stuff. But in the, in the flesh, his knees were hurting, but in the spirit, it's because he was trying to carry something that he was never meant to carry. My friend, you are not meant to carry the worries, how big or how small. Give all your worries to him. So look back and remember, number two, pray about everything. Lastly and in closing, change your focus. Remember what I said. I'm not telling you to stop worrying, not, but what do I do when worry happens? Because worry is going to happen. He said it. The Bible said it. Jesus said it. Work, you're going to have worries tomorrow. But how do you handle, how do you manage? Do you manage the worry or is the worry managing you? So change your focus. Change what you're focusing on. There's a story in 2 Kings where the prophet Elijah uh, was, was, he was the prophet for the children of Israel and the king of Aram was coming against the nation of Israel. And the king was putting forth the battle plan. I'm closing. I'm not getting reared back up. But the king was putting forth a battle plan to, to and it, it a sneak attack. He was always trying to sneak attack and come in. And God was showing Elisha what, what the plan was. And every time the plan was foiled. I guess that's the right word. I don't know. Sound good? And this frustrated the king. And the king thought there must be a spy in the camp that's actually telling the children of Israel. Because he could not get them. And somebody within the camp, one of his trusted people said, there's no spy in the camp. It's that prophet Elijah. God, his, their God is telling him, and that's what's happening. He goes, that's fine. We'll send the army. We'll change the plans. We'll send the army, and we'll encamp round about Elisha. So one night, that's what happened. Let me just read this real quick. 2 Kings 6. Are you still here? Come on, Weber. My Bible's falling apart. There it is. Oh, and I opened up my Bible this week. Y'all know what fell out from last week? I was, I was laying in the bed. Seed. If you missed last Sunday, you just missed it. But seed, dude, I was like, yes, just shower me. This is what happened. So the, so the army encamped around about him. And verse 15, 2 Kings 6, 15 says this. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops and horses and chariots everywhere. Some of you ever felt like that? Like the enemies all around you? Can't breathe, don't know what to do? Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elijah. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Maybe that's what you need to pray is God open my when you're in the midst of when worry, how do I manage it? Say, God, help me to see this the way you see this. Worry is this big to us, worry is this small to God. Matter of fact, it's psst. God help him to see. Open his eyes and see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. This is what I saw. This us right here. That dot, right? That's us. Here's our problem. Problems Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, oh, Sunday, even on the Lord's Day. Can't catch a break. Right? That's our problems. But what we need to see is that it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Huh? So simple. Instead of looking at what you're surrounded by, start looking what's surrounding it. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Change your focus. Help God to open up your eyes and look beyond this trouble. Look beyond this situation. Look beyond this heartache. Look beyond this hurt. Look beyond this pain. Look beyond this betrayal and see that God is surrounding it. God's got you. So in closing, that's like my fifth closing. That's all I got. If you've struggled with fear, worry, anxiety, and depression, I want you to stand right where you are. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. You're not having to come forward. I want to pray for you. This is what God said to do. I was on an airplane flying back in, and he said, you have them stand up. 
You may have a small level of anxiety, big level of anxiety. But it's done today. I'm telling you, it's done today. Look back and remember. Look back and remember. What's the second one? Pray about everything and change your focus. In the name of Jesus, I lift up every single person. Come on, just lift your hand straight to heaven. How do I cast it? It said, cast all my cares upon you. God, I'm, ca- I'm giving this to you. Hands off, God. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. The battle is not mine. It belongs to you. The victory is not mine. It's yours. God, it's yours. But I'm victorious because of you. So God, right now, I lift up every person in this room, those listening to my podcast who have battled depression. We shut and silence the, the voice of of the enemy now how do we do it by the name of Jesus because when the name of Jesus is proclaimed the devil cannot stand so father I thank you in Jesus name that we now know look back and remember pray about everything we're going we're going to talk to you about all of it god don't matter how big how small and god help us to change our focus In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, set free 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 in the name of Jesus. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Three and a half minutes is all we've got left in this service. We're, these guys are going to lead us in the battle belongs. Man, don't leave. How do, I, how do I shift my focus? I worship. Jay said it. Man, get in your car. Turn on some worship music. Three and a half minutes. Let's go. Three and a half minutes. The battle belongs to the Lord. God is still in control. Well, thanks again for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. For more content from Release City or just to stay connected with us, be sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms at Release City Church or through our website at releasecitychurch.org. We love you. And until next time, the best is yet to come.